You guys, Azazas is an American music artist, songwriter, and producer from Foley, Alabama, but now based right here in Gainesville. He is primarily known for his contribution to the hip hop and pop genres. Azazas is known as a recent for making a popular online song called OnlyFans, which accumulated a little over a half million TikTok views. This is an awesome show. Enjoy. Let's go. You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. We're going to go in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and I appreciate you listening in because we're going to have an amazing show, you guys. But before we dive into it, let me thank the amazing companies that make this all possible. My man, Kyle Cohen over at Leonardo's Pizza Millhopper. Sarah, check out this Leonardo shirt that I got. It's pretty legit, right? Azazus, you like that? Lit. (laughs) (laughs) I got the Leonardo's Millhopper shirt, you guys. But Leonardo's Pizza offers the same classic food, family-friendly atmosphere, local local beers on draft and in cans, and they even have an upgraded wine selection. They are still implementing safety precautions, of course, and with masks for guests, not at a table, masks for all team members, limited seating, and these guys even purchased some UV sanitizing lights to make sure that the restaurant is virus-free. I love their heart and their heart for games. Well, you guys, order takeout or delivery on leonardosmillhopper.com or by giving them a call at 352-376-2001. Again, that's 352-376-2001. And tell Kyle Cohen that I sent you. He is my boy, and I'm so grateful for his support. And we're also so incredibly thankful for the team over at Gainesville Harley-Davidson. If you have a motorcycle, roll in and roll out with Gainesville Harley-Davidson's Express Lane Service Center. And the time it could take you to wash and wax your motorcycle, you could be getting an oil and filter change, new tires or brakes, or any number of other selective services. No appointment needed, so get in, get service, and get riding with Express Lane Service from Gainesville Harley-Davidson. Call 352-331-6363 to learn more, and definitely check them out online at gainesvilleharley.com. Kevin over there is my boy, and I'm so grateful for him. Anybody, anytime, uh, that's the place. I'm like, you want to upgrade from your scooter? Azazus, you want to upgrade from your scooter? Go get a game, go get a Harley, baby. Let's go. <laughs> so thank you so much to the Gainesville Harley team. Super grateful for y'all's support. And uh, let's get in to today's show. You guys, today on the show, we have Gainesville's own musical mastermind, Azazus. Azazus, what's up, man? What's good, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm psyched, man. I'm excited to have you here, ready to get into your story. Right, That's right. the part that I like the best, man, is the story. So okay. let's let's throw it back and and tell me, man. Tell me tell me your story. Uh, how far back you trying to go? Oh man, we can go back to two years old. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go back to Sweet Home, Alabama. That's where I'm originally from, uh, Foley, Alabama. Uh, I always grew up around music. My father, uh, Dennis Walton Sr., he was a traveling soul and gospel singer. So uh, ever since a young age, I was exposed to uh, people around me being able to like make a living and provide for their family off of entertainment. And so uh, growing up in my household, actually hip hop and urban music wasn't allowed. Uh, my father, he hated rap. So it's kind of ironic that like, you know, f- fast forward to now, I'm uh, primarily in a rap genre and, you know, doing like hip hop and stuff. 
But uh, my first introduction into like the entertainment business like myself was around, I would say sixth grade, I was like 12. And it was through my uh, cousin, Joshua O'Neill, who is also a music artist. Uh, he had got a tip that a record label was coming to our home city for uh, auditions. And they wanted to like pull from an area that people hadn't looked at yet. And so uh, at the time, you know, we were young and he didn't want to do it by his by himself. So he asked me and about five other uh, kids that was in our grade to like be his hype man while he auditioned for this label. And so, uh, you know, long story short, we did it. I enjoyed the uh, experience from it. And so like two years later, I tried to do it on my own, but uh, I wasn't sure about writing until uh, I got introduced to some deep literature from uh, Miss Frank in my uh, eighth grade class. And she wanted us to take literature and present it to a class in an unorthodox way. And so I was like, you know what? I had this rap experience. It's basically, you know, rhythm and poetry. Why don't I take uh, this poetry I've written in class and try to like rap it to the class? And so that was my first time actually like orchestrating a song. And so uh, the class liked it. I kept doing it, got the opportunity to perform for my high school, you know, later on. And uh, I think I was the first person to actually uh, perform a whole concert at, at my high school. And so, you know, fast forward to Florida, I started doing like real concerts and festivals and, you know, here we are now. Okay, so what what brought you to Florida? Like why, like why this area? Uh, sad story actually, but I'm gonna keep it short. Um, unfortunately, a lot of stuff happened the year that I graduated. And uh, the city of Foley had condemned the house that I was living in. And so uh, pretty much me and my mother had got kicked out of the house we were at. And um, we had became homeless. And so uh, my father, some stuff happened with him. He had to come back to Florida, which is where he was raised. And uh, yeah, this, this is where he was raised. And my mother couldn't handle it, you know, the whole situation back in Alabama. And so she came here. I didn't want to come here. But uh you know, a year went by of me being homeless and I was like, you know what, I can't do this. Let me come to Florida and try to start over. And so that's how I, how I ended up here. So. So you had stayed up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so getting back into like, or so getting to, to Florida, I mean, what were, I mean, you were out of high school. Like what, what, like how old were you? Uh, I'm 28 right now. And I came to Florida a year after I graduated. So when I was 19, that's when I came to the state. Okay. Yeah. And then what were some of your first moves when you when you got here? Uh my first what? Like moves when you got here like oh. I mean in terms of your your you know your music, your your career uh, like what's When I first got to Gainesville cuz I didn't come to Gainesville immediately, but like maybe a year and a half after being in Florida, that's when I finally came here, which is where my parents were. Um I started getting introduced to Florida through music promotions. I was a, a club promoter and uh, I was trying to find a way to introduce my music to this state. And since uh, I didn't know anybody at all, like my, my dad's whole side of the family is from here. I didn't even really know them. So like I didn't have like any connections, friends, nothing when I came here. And so I started uh, doing club promotions for uh, the EDM genre out here. And uh, through that, I started meeting different uh, club owners and other promoters and, you know, working in, getting booked for shows and stuff, so. What does that mean, like, club promotions? Like, I mean, physically trying to bring people to the club? Yeah, essentially. Right, for, like, to hear the artists and the different things that are happening, or? Uh, yeah, just or pretty just much really uh, just anything that was going on. Like, uh, I was trying to move on into uh, the artist booking, which I did before I had quit the club promotions, but before that, it was primarily just me out here doing different promotions of, like, you know, Friday nights, girls may get in free to, like, 
such and such time, guys play pay five bucks and et cetera. It was just, you know, stuff like that. And then here and there a concert, they would throw us in and they'd be like, yo, like Corella's coming to town, promote this show and yeah. Okay. So So that's how you kinda got networked in. Yeah. All right. So how did it develop from from there? Uh like, was, did you start just like, you know, making your own music and you like jumping on stage, like, let me do this? Like, <laughs> like where did this, you know, where did this stuff kind of start to uh, unfold, I a, guess? That's a very good question. Um, okay, so my first instance messing with like an artist directly out here, uh, I want to say it was 2014, Chanel West Coast had a pool party over at the Pavilion. And I think this was right when the Pavilion first opened. And um, from there, it was a few different people. I think they were working at either High Dive or uh, one of these clubs that was on Main Street. And so they saw me trying to network with Chanel and they had gave me a tip that the Yin Yang Twins were coming to town. And so uh, they said that, yo, like this, there's this guy named Pat. Uh, he works at a High Dive, he's the booking manager. Try to go down there and you know see if you can get on uh, for the Yin Yang show or whatever. And so uh, me and uh, some of the artist friends that I had at the time, uh, we went down there and chopped it up with Pat. Uh, he gave us a few tickets and you know we worked out a deal saying, you know like you sell so many tickets, you're on a show, you get like a small percentage of the tickets that you sell. And uh, from there, after opening up for the Yin Yang Twins, I started uh, building a resume to where they, you know, just kind of put me on any other show that any celebrity came on down here, and then, yeah. Okay. How many like how many songs had you like written at up to that point? Do you remember? A lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot. Cause uh, even just like not in person, I was already networking with a bunch of people like across the nation and worldwide, just like on Facebook and stuff. And uh, we had started like this little online coalition of like uh, writers across the world. We would just get together and collab and put out a song. And so like this was consistent on top of the music promotion. So I was dropping like maybe four to five songs a week with people just all over, including my music. So, but... Yeah. And how are you doing that? Like with people across the country? Like you guys aren't like all meeting in one place, nah, right? It's like, nah, it's all just it's like you uh, like record something on a file and send it to them yeah. and then they like build on top of it. Yeah, pretty much just a bunch of email and uh, audio files back and forth. And <laughs> then you pick who's going to be the one that's going to like edit this or if we're going to send this off to a studio to get edited. And then, yeah. So, I mean, this business feels like it's changed so much, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, and like, and I'm n no expert by any means, but like yeah. I, a lot of people know this about my stories. Like when I was in uh, college at UF from 2000, 2004, like I, I thought a lot of my, I actually thought my whole career would have been in music. Yeah, Like I was, you know, playing trumpet, like not that I was great or anything, but I was playing trumpet in like a little ska band, bouncing around. Like Gainesville, I felt like actually had like a pretty decent music scene, at mm -hmm. least during that time. I mean, there was like GainesvilleBands.com, there was like all these like, the, like these, uh, you know, those little uh, threads and stuff that people were getting into. And it was yeah. like, oh, what, what bands are where, what night and that kind of thing. Um, and I was working at, uh, you know, Skylab Recording Studios and like doing, you know, a lot of stuff there. And, you know, it was like the way of getting discovered was like that magical moment that somebody from some record label just happened to see you perform, yeah. right? And it's just like not the case anymore. <laughs> like it, it's not. it's crazy, right? I, I mean, I see so many people on 
I mean, I'll be flipping on TikTok and like I'll hear some like some girl who was like literally, I mean, she was wearing all her clothes just to be very clear before I get into <laughs> this, but she was sitting in a bathtub like in her bathroom, like fully dressed for and like singing because the acoustics, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like the 60 second clip. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this girl is incredible. Like, yeah. you know, and, and now more and more people are getting uh, discovered like that, you know? So, I mean, what, mm-hmm. like, do you have like a strategy in all of this is this just like you know what i just i just love making music and so i'm gonna just just do my thing and always do my thing and like if you know and if it happens and like on a bigger scale then great like Mm -hmm. i mean where's your mindset at with that you know um my mindset is working the algorithm because like i study this a lot and um i see how the music is changing because you know i'm old enough to where i came from the era of backpack rapping, which is basically before all this online stuff, it was CDs, you know, mm-hmm. people pass out CDs, that's how they made it, and I used to do that. Well, like, then, like in-house recording but, studios, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like just, yeah, all that, what, man. creating three songs on a on a CD and handing them out for free to Yeah, everyone. just, yeah, just handing them away. out, yeah. you know, and then, and then fast forward, now we're this whole digital era where since everything is so easy access, everybody wants to be a musician. You know what I'm saying? And you don't even have to go to a big studio anymore. You literally could just be in your room recording on a cheap microphone and upload it for free on SoundCloud. And then people call themselves a singer or a rapper. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's what makes it so hard to stand out for people that actually is like professionally doing this like me. And so uh, going back to what I was saying about the algorithm, I already know what these labels want because I've talked to different labels. I talked to different uh, <laughs> different A and Rs, and um, pretty much was working the algorithm right now and getting people signed is numbers. Uh, sadly enough, and um, this goes back to 2015 when I almost had to deal with a uh, Warner Brother Records. They were going to sign me off of numbers. They wanted me on their label for my song Deal With It, but they said a stipulation with the contract. I had to have 20,000 fans on my Facebook page, my Twitter page, and my Instagram page. And they said that they were going to give me a year to achieve that, but they wasn't going to help me uh, build the base. And needless to say, I don't have the contract, so I didn't, you know, I didn't reach those numbers because this was, you know, what, six years ago, almost six, seven years ago, I didn't know anything about the algorithm algorithm at the time. And I think the biggest following I had was my Facebook, which had 2,000 followers at the time. I didn't know how the heck I was gonna reach, you know, 20,000 fans on one platform, let alone three. And so now I'm studying this stuff and I, I pretty much see like what's going on with the posts, how people's attention spans is so short. You gotta give them just enough to hook them in, but kind of make them want to go find you. Don't give them everything at once because if they feel like they've seen it all, they're not going to want to go check out the rest of your catalog. You know, and um, I, I think about this at the same time when I write my music, I don't try to make long songs anymore because like I said, there's so many people trying to be a musician, they don't want to sit up here and listen to a three minute and a five minute song when you're not Drake or you're not The Weeknd because you're not like on that caliber yet. So if you're just trying to make it, something bare minimum like a minute and a half to two minute long that's decent because it's so short that people are going to complain they're going to be like dang why isn't this song longer they're going to keep replaying it you know Mm -hmm. and people don't think about this stuff when they're trying to like make it nowadays people the first thing in in a lot of these artists head they think i'm the best singer i'm the best writer i'm the best rapper i look the sexiest uh all this is going to factor in and my talent is going to get me signed that's that's not the case anymore 
labels, A&Rs, these bigger companies, they don't care about your talent. They want to see how quick can you draw people in and can mm-hmm. you keep them entertained. And that's pretty much like what the goal is right now. I, I want to find that one it song that's going to keep people drawn in and they, you know, they want to hear more of that. And I'm so close. I'm so close. Because last year uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, around February, I started noticing a trend online. Every every person's social media that I went to from like Twitter to Instagram, to et cetera, I was noticing either a cash app in their bio or OnlyFans link. And so I was like, you know what? OnlyFans is something that a lot of people are not talking about. Why don't I take that subject, write about it, put it out before somebody big does it? And so I went with it and the song went viral on TikTok and YouTube last year. Okay, real real like, quick, like, for our audience who might not know what Only OnlyFans is, uh, like explain what it is really fast, really fast. Okay, I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of people misconstrued this website. OnlyFans is a pay to unlock a website, but a lot of people get it confused as a porn website because some of the leading content creators on there is adult workers, but that's not the case. It's not an explicit site. It's just, you know, it just so happens that those particular content creators are the ones that's killing it on that site right now. So, yeah. Okay. And and so you were, sorry, the, I have paused what you oh, were no, saying. No, you, 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 you were creating a, a song about, about the site. Yeah. Okay. I was creating a song about that site and mainly, you know, just the creators that is crushing it on that site. And uh, I was trying to write the song from the perspective of somebody that's discovering these OnlyFans creators. And the other half of the song, I was writing it from the perspective of the OnlyFans creator. And uh, yeah, I just put it out, me and the producer, uh, Red John Beats, uh, the guy found me on SoundCloud and uh, he's in Portugal. and. Uh, he just sent me the beat and originally we was gonna put the song out for free and we started seeing the attention that it was getting when we had put it out for free on YouTube and uh, SoundCloud and I was like, bro, like, you gotta let me actually put this thing out rather than just, you know, this little showcase stuff that you wanted me to do. And so about a month later, we put it out professionally and that's when it kind of took off on uh, TikTok slowly and then before you know it, well, what does that mean, put it out professionally? Put it out professionally, you're actually putting it on a platform where people can stream it and you can make revenue and uh, Got it. it could, you know, account for something on the billboards. And so, uh, yeah, like girls worldwide started using a song. And I mean, then, can um, anybody do that? Anybody could do it, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's- anybody could do it. Uh, services like TuneCore, CD Baby, uh, SoundCloud. Okay, Premier. that's exactly yeah. right. All right. I'm following now. I was like, yeah. I was thinking like when you said like professionally, I'm like, all right, like do you have to have some sort of special connection or nah. in, you know, but I'm, mm. I'm completely following now. Okay, cool. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> so, uh, now you get it, bro. Cause these, these are questions that a lot of people wonder and they don't ask, but, uh, yeah, pretty much this, the song got popular, uh, local director, uh, green ranger. He found out about the song somehow. And then he reached out and he wanted to do a music video for it. And this was during summer of 2020. And at the time, I was kind of idle with the song anyways. I had put out other songs just to keep people entertained, but I knew that was the song of last year that was you know, getting a lot of attention and I just didn't know how to promote it next. And I knew the idea that I had in my head for a visual, I couldn't pull it off myself. Uh, and so he just, you know, I felt like that was just God or some other you know, forces jumped in and was just like, yo, like let's do a music video for it. And so that, kind of made the song take off even harder and then uh 
you know, bringing it to 2021, that's pretty much where I'm at now is just like trying to control the algorithm and bring people back in and try to recreate what I did last year on a bigger scale. And I want to do that every year. I want to basically recreate what happened in 2020, but just pop it off even harder and just, you know. Okay. Yeah. So what's the, I mean, this, you said this OnlyFans song that you created uh-huh. got uh, got some mad hits on TikTok. Yeah. You said over half Half, half a, a mil. It's probably almost at a mil now um, if I added all the stats from my distributor. But last year, yeah, it was at like half a mil on okay. TikTok alone. So. I mean, so does that, I mean, when you're talking about like learning or, you know, mastering the algorithm, so to mm-hmm. speak, I mean, is, is that... Is that what you're talking about? Like, it's not a specific platform, or is it a combination of these platforms? It's it's a it's a rhythm, if you will. Like, I, I like are artists now saying, okay, my distribution point is TikTok. <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably. Like, is that like the mindset? Like, I'm I'm so interested in like yeah. how you approach <laughs> how you approach. I want the world to hear this song. Yeah. Uh, pretty much you want to figure out where the young adults are at and it doesn't even necessarily have to be TikTok you know there's so many different social media apps people use there's Instagram there's Twitter there's Snapchat but you got to figure out where your music is being used the most and the target audience that's probably going to be the most receptive to your music you have to figure out which platform they're probably on and so just in my case Uh, It happened to be TikTok. It won't be the same for everybody because, you know, it depends on what type of song they make, how people could use it. But mine took off specifically because, you know, these girls want money. We're in a pandemic. Uh, Their base is online. And so, you know, uh, they use a bunch of different forms of creative, you know, such as thirst trapping. If people don't know what that is, it's basically when you pick something up sexy and you draw people in and, you know, you do a call to action, which is basically uh, you tell people what to do, you know, visit your bio, inbox me, you know, drop a comment. That's a call to action. And so they figured, I guess, that my song helps them with their promotions. And so it was kind of like a hand in hand, like I already gave them something that they were doing in their life. So they didn't have a problem with using the song with, you know, their promotion. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, so they kind of grasped hold of it because of the OnlyFans aspect yeah. of it. Okay, I mean, it's kind of a smart growth strategy, especially if you want people to like <laughs> kind of hear your hear your vibe, your beat, like the type of music you make, you know? Yeah. People hear, they're like, oh, like that that's catchy, right? It's kind of, like I'm seeing this in, in the TikTok world, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of these like, that's <laughs> funny like now I'm like now I'm seeing uh, clips from like parents and they're like no that was not created on TikTok that's not a TikTok song that's like from the 70s when I was born that's you know like I've seen yeah. I've seen parents like talking about some of these loops right there's these there's these loops that get super hot on mm-hmm. TikTok I mean is that if you were an artist and you wanted to get discovered like would that be a good strategy for getting discovered creating a loop that gets viral on TikTok that everybody's using and they're like, who sound is this? Yeah, it's most definitely a, a creative thought to have. Um, and I think a lot of artists are keeping TikTok in mind when they write their music now, because like it doesn't even necessarily like for my case, for example, uh, it doesn't even necessarily have to be anything that's incorporated with what people do for their work. It's just you need to say something or make some type of sound within the song that people can use for their own creative space. You know, if they could make a dance to it, they're gonna do it. If they could take a certain section of your song and turn it into like some type of comedy, they're gonna do it. Or like some type of crazy transition, 
you know like so okay yeah um so i mean with these like the the ones that you put up professionally like mm-hmm. are they generating revenue yeah they are like are you you're able to support yourself off that or are you supporting yourself in other ways like you know i, I think in the uh, past it's always been like oh like you're you're a starving musician it's always like yeah. you know like that was like a, the way you know it's same with actors right it was like oh like you kind of like have to live on your friend's couch until you've made it you yeah. know what i mean like is that not the case for artists anymore uh, like you're able to like put these songs up and stream them and make revenue off of them and like live off them it's possible to live off your music um but that's ba- it's, it's all based off perspective me personally uh music is all i do okay um i make enough to live off of but i don't make enough to like you know just go out and splurge and stuff you know sure, what i mean um, sure Anybody that's seen my car, you know, that's that's visual evidence right there. <laughs> what but, kind of car do you have? <laughs> uh, 2005 Ford Taurus. Okay. Old beat up thing, but. Uh, you know what they call that? A millionaire's car, bro. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I tell her, I'm driving around in a 2006, uh, yeah, 2006 like Honda Civic, maybe in 08, I don't know, somewhere in there. Nice. Uh, the Honda Civic, I got like the bumper zip tied on, dude. I'm yeah. like, that's my millionaire car. <laughs> <laughs> that car is paid off. I don't owe anybody anything for yeah. it. Like, I will keep fixing it until it is dead. I got you, my man. My millionaire car. <laughs> so that's the car that's going to make me a millionaire, y'all. Yeah, I feel that. But so, yeah, man, you know, like, uh, well, it, does that make you happy then? I mean, being able to live off what you love. I mean, are there times where you're just like, oh, dude, like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. The grind's too much, too hard. It makes yeah. me it makes me happy that I'm able to do it because I was I was even doing it like before it got to this point, you know, like back uh, prior to what I had said about me, like living on the streets. Uh, even then, like when I was still backpack rapping. Um, I was selling CDs in order to eat, you know, so I've, I was always making like money off of music to support myself, but am I satisfied? No, because I know I can go way further than that. But the thing about entertainment is this job is subjective to what other people want. You know, like I know I'm good enough to be making thousands, millions, but that's not going to happen until like somebody popular acknowledges me because everybody likes the bandwagon and entertainment. They may think that you're good, but they're afraid to publicly admit that because, you know, everybody else ain't really like saying it yet. And they don't want to be the oddball to like something by themselves. So So yeah. does that require, you know, being within proximity of these people and building relationships with those type of artists that have already kind of, you know, maybe maybe they're not like all the way there, but mm-hmm. they're maybe what you would say like a step further than you are in their career. Like, is that is that how you approach it? Like I I, I wanna know how you uh, you know, approach, yeah. you know, achieving a, a goal like that? Uh, all that is honestly involved in investment. It sh- sure, it would benefit being around those faces and names, but I try to tell everybody, even people that want to get into entertainment, don't think about this as just for like the love of creating or just the love of music, because with that mindset alone, you're never gonna make any money. You know what I'm saying? Like you can you can love what you put out, but also put some business behind it. You know, like a lot of people think, for example, when when a song is released, they think that it's so easy. They think people just go in, they record a song, they upload it on YouTube, that's it, that's not it. All you did was make the product. You gotta think about it like, okay, say we got Walmart, and like a lot of people are probably gonna laugh at this part, but <laughs> say we got Walmart, and then you know, that loaf of bread that everybody buys at Walmart. 
you making a song is just the same as that one company that made that loaf of bread that sends that to Walmart. Okay, you made the loaf of bread, but how are people gonna know about that bread to buy it? It takes more than just like putting it out there. You gotta like invest money into promotions to put this in people's face so they even know that the song exists. And so a lot of the money that I have left over just from uh, you know bills and stuff, I gotta put this money back into the music. Otherwise, I'm not going anywhere. You know, like when I put a song out, I'm spending a couple hundred just to promote the song so people know about the song so I can make the streams and, you know, get booked and, you know, repeat the process over again next song. So. And how are you promoting the song? Uh, when you say, you're, where, where's that $200 investment going? For example, that could be split anywhere between Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, maybe, uh, other big creators that, you know, got a bigger base than me, you know, they may want to charge you like 50 bucks, 25 bucks, a hundred bucks to put up a post on their page for like, you know, 24 hours or permanently. Uh, it can go towards, you know, getting posters or something printed out that you may go around town and say, Hey, do you mind if I put this poster up in your local business stickers, et cetera, you know, stuff like that. So is there one that's been more effective than others? Uh, most definitely the Google ads and Facebook ads. Yeah. And you're running those against people who just love music or like, how are you targeting those? Um, I switch it up every now and then, depending on what the song subject matter is. I may target other, uh, musicians that sound similar to the song. I got you. Uh, I may target, you know, different apps or, you know, search, uh, search platforms like Google, you know, people that like Google, I may put that on my next song be like, you know, target those people and so on. So, okay. Yeah. So let's just say I was going to quit this today yeah. and be an artist. <laughs> I'll start making music again. I, I, I make a song and like, what, what advice would you be giving given to me? Like, because, and the reason where I'm going with this is yeah. like, I feel like I've heard so many different, like, for example, I've heard like Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, talk mm -hmm. about like, you know, the best thing you could do as an artist is like put out like a song a day, a song a day. But then I'm like, is that, is that even like realistic? I mean, it like, I don't know, is it? <laughs> like, could you put out, could you put out a song a day and, yes. and hope that one of them is that spark, right? Or does it make sense to focus, to have like one quality like song that you've really put your heart, time and soul into mm -hmm. and then promote the hell out of it? Um, is one better than another? What, what advice would you give to me as the starting, the starting artist? I would first advise you to get your finances straight before you release the song. Okay. I would start there before we even talk about the music. Okay, so what does that mean? Uh, that means pretty much make sure that you have a safe blanket of money to push your song out to at least some type of target audience. If you don't even know who you're trying to target, you can push it out to at least somebody and you can get some type of receptive uh, opinions on it and see like, does these people even like the song? Uh, should you try a different target audience because it didn't work over here? Or maybe the first time you put it out, that audience is the audience and you got lucky. Now you could just pump more money into it monthly and just, you know, keep that audience going. But uh, yeah, it's all about like trial and error and different investments. Okay, which, uh, what platforms, I mean, I know you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like mm -hmm. what, like what are all the distribution points? Like are you you're putting it on YouTube? Uh, anywhere and everywhere that music can be sent to, uh, YouTube, Pandora Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon, so on. So, 
and so okay so say you get it on one of those music platforms mm-hmm. the ones that are more music focused i mean is it you know I, I i think about the world of social media and how noisy it is right yeah like can you break through is it like the song starts to trend and it starts getting more views like I, i'm actually I have no idea how it works <laughs> you know all like, that depends on um how people are able to use the song like this goes back to what i was saying about people's attention span now in 2021 you got to find a way to catch people's attention first and then give them the call to action to like say hey like if you kind of like this little teaser from however i decided to promote this to you maybe check out the full song um and one thing that a lot of artists are using nowadays is like a like a multi-link page or like a link tree to where they'll have all the platforms as an option and you let the listener choose where they want to stream it from and so that's kind of like the call to action that a lot of people are doing nowadays is just like you know say i may take a video of a girl that liked my song and she wants to dance to it and i put that on my page and be like yo like check out this dance this chick just did if you want to listen to the full song my link is in bio uh stream from your preferred music app and then um, from there, you take the analytics, see where the people are streaming from the most, and you know maybe cater to that. You know, uh, one song may pop off more on YouTube because you know people like visuals with it. Another song just may be a vibe, so they may stream it more on you know like Spotify and Apple Music. And sometimes you know songs may not even make it that far; it may just be you know only TikTok worthy, where people just want to dance to it and you know put up videos saying, "Hey, look at me! I use this song." So, yeah. How many? Uh, so okay. With that, like, how much time are you spending making the visuals for the visual platforms? Like, are you making, I know you said that you did that music video. I mean, mm. is there a lot of that? Or, like, what what is the visual, I guess? Uh, there's most definitely not a lot of that because music videos are expensive. And getting people coordinated enough to, like, make the visual come, come to life is, like, stressful sometimes. Sure. But uh, as far as the visual for me, mostly what I do is just like video visuals, either like me lip singing along with the song or, you know, I'll put the audio out first and see if people like it enough to start doing videos. And so I'll take the videos of those people, you know, get their permission and say, yo, like, do you mind getting like promoted on a verified page? And usually, you know, people see the check mark, they jump on it. They're just like, oh crap, clout. Let me, let me get it. Yeah. Go ahead and share that. And then, you know, I may take that, run a couple ads on that. Uh, sometimes the thing could, you know, just pop off with numbers organically, depending on, you know, how creative the person was in a video. So how much, uh, other content are you making? That's not music. Like, are you, do you do any other are you like me or like, hey guys, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Checking in on Instagram stories. I mean, like, uh, most definitely on Instagram stories and TikTok, because uh, I try to keep stuff off of my uh, Facebook feed and Instagram feed unless I'm gonna like invest money into it. Okay. Because I don't feel like I have enough followers at that point where I could just like put up a random photo and you know like half a million people like it. You know what I'm saying? So majority of the time, I just do like very brief uh, hey what's up videos on Instagram stories to let people know like hey I'm still alive uh, if something's coming up be on a watch on the feed but as of lately I've been on TikTok more just like talking to people putting up random videos uh, you know just ask a random question just to give people a reason to engage uh, on TikTok I'm mainly known for my little stupid catchphrase I'll be like yo is this the FYP and uh, for people who don't know what FYP is, that's called the For You page. And basically the For You page is like a 
the main algorithm of that TikTok app. Like if you get so many likes and comments and, and, and like pretty much all those likes and comments tells the computer system, hey, this content is enjoyable. Let me put it in a main thread on everybody's app, even mm-hmm. people that don't follow you. And so like, I'll usually start that at the beginning of my videos, just in case if the main purpose of my video isn't entertaining, they're still gonna say yes or no about if this is the FYP. So it still gets pushed in FYP. So yeah. <laughs> Some interesting stuff, man. Yeah. Hope everybody's following along. Uh, so earlier, I mean, and we kind of got off subject for a minute because we talked, I, I said, how do you get your finances in order, right? Like, what, yeah, does, yeah, what, what yeah. does that mean? But before that, I said, okay, like, I'm, I'm kind of interested in your perspective. What's a better strategy in 2021? Is it putting out a piece of content, like a, a video loop, a, a beat, uh, you know, mm. every single day? or maybe one every two days or three days, you know, whatever, like more okay. more frequently, or is investing the time into like one really great song, yeah, you know, and and then, you know, then spending the rest of the time promoting it and getting it in, in front of ears. Like what's a, what's a better strategy? Okay, uh, I would say let's start with the person's budget. If they don't have uh, a big budget, I would say the best thing that they could do is make as many songs as they can and put it out on a frequent basis just to see like uh, what style people are enjoying the most from them. And then when they get the time to invest, maybe invest in those songs regarding that style. For people that do kind of have like a consistent budget, I would say slow down on releasing your music and you know maybe drop a new song like every two to three weeks or it doesn't even have to be a new song, just a different variation of the song that's already out. You know, like for example, say you just made a, a complete song, you put out the audio first, you know, on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera, uh, it's getting a little bit of buzz. Two weeks later, you drop the lyric video. People might've heard the song the first time, but they didn't know what you were saying. Now they know what you're saying. And so in case those lyrics catch people even more, maybe, you know, like a month after the song is out, you consider doing a music video if you have the budget for it. And then after that, just kind of assess and see how the song is doing, move on to the next song, and use the buzz from that first song to kind of promote the next song, so. Okay, that's good stuff. Yeah. Is there is there anything, any part of what you do that you don't like? Uh, I'm a very introverted person, so I don't like talking to people a lot, but I also got to talk to people a lot to get the content out there, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see how that can be challenging. Yeah. Uh, okay. Are you like one of these people who's like super extroverted when you're in your, like on your in your element, like on stage? Yeah. You know, it's like I always because I, I always tell people that too. I'm like, ah, like I'm. The truth is, I'm fifty fifty. Like when I do all these tests, I'm like like right there on the hat. Like yeah. you know what I mean, like fifty fifty. But like I uh. You know, I like I like to think that I tend to lean more introverted from the standpoint of like I get exhausted. I'm like I need to go in my own space, and I know that's kind of like one of those key key things for introverts is like mm. I need to break away from everything and go have my 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 me time. Yeah. Um, 
but like, but I'm very much the same way where it's like, man, like when I'm on, when I'm on the microphone doing this or when I'm, you know, on stage giving the, giving us a, t- a talk to, <laughs> you know, a, a business or something like that. Or if I'm on camera, like doing a vlog or something, I'm like, ah, oh, dude, this is my, this is my zone. This is my element. This, yeah. is, this is my extroverted side, you know? So very much kind of very similar. Most definitely uh, similar. Like, I don't know, people try to get on my case all the time when they want to talk to me and then like they'll look at something that I did like within my branding and they'll be like, oh, you were just on that live for like 40 minutes or oh, you just did like that whole uh, 25 minute set at such and such place. Why can't you call me on the phone or et cetera? And I'm just like, there's, there's, there's a difference in this. Uh, I don't think people are realizing like I'm doing this as a job and you know, like if I'm getting paid to do something, there, there's a different mindset behind doing something to pay my bills and then me just doing something because I could do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course, I can get on the phone, call anybody all day, but am I going to do it? Well, so are these like fan type people? Like, what are you talking about? Fan type people, friends, everybody. Like, it's pretty much people on both sides, they don't get it. They don't get like how I'm able to like be extroverted when needed. But then like in my personal life, I don't want to talk to nobody and it doesn't make sense to them. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Does that give you like this perception or did people have this perception that you're like an a-hole because of that? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I've, I have. The reason I asked that is because I've, <laughs> I've had, the reason I asked that, like not the audience is probably like, what? Well, that's mm-hmm. kind of an asshole question now. Like the, is I've had people say that about me. Like, uh-huh. like, oh dude, I thought you were the biggest a-hole until I met you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm like a nice guy. I'm like, you know, it's, but it's like this, I think it has to do with just that natural, like, okay, like, you know, you need, you need your time. You need, maybe it feels like it's standoffish yeah. just because you're naturally introverted. Like, I don't know, you know, but that's what, that's why I ask. Cause, cause, <laughs> cause I feel like, I mean, I, I feel like I relate to you very much in that, that realm, you yeah. know? So, but you would agree that's that's like the case kind of oh yeah um, okay. it comes off standoffish for sure <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> um i mean what other ways do you generate revenue besides the the streams and the ones that that go pop- i mean like is it getting paid for shows is it yeah yeah um i mean merchandise or anything like i mean i know you were backpacking in the yeah. past like is that still a, is that still part of it or no it's still a thing most definitely um for people that's trying to do music I will tell you off rip, uh, don't rely on music streams thinking you're about to pay your bills and that you can quit your job because uh, accumulating stream revenues is a, is, is, is a very slow process. So like, unless you got like thousands of streams coming in, uh, your first distribution report isn't even gonna show up or come until like three months after the song is released. That's always usually how it goes. And the same thing about like the revenue. Uh, your money isn't started like, the money doesn't start being calculated to like two to three months after the song is out. And so uh, even then you have to reach a certain threshold with certain distributors before they even give you the check. And most distributors is like 50 bucks to hundred bucks. You have to accumulate streams. And uh, for example, a Spotify stream may be a fraction of a penny. You know, like when, when somebody plays your song, you're not getting like a whole dollar or something off that. It's a very small fraction of a penny. And so uh, the main source that I would recommend people to do if they want to be an entertainer, try to work more towards building like uh, merchandise clientele, you know, like people that want to like buy shirts from you, uh, hats or et cetera. If you have a big enough catalog to uh, do like shows, do that. Because before the pandemic, I was doing like maybe two to three shows a month. 
And um, annually, you know, I was doing music festivals because I'm not sure if you're familiar with a Changeville Music Festival. Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty much it's a social injustice and social change festival where like different entertainers that represent something that people should be aware of, you know, like the LGBT community or like mental health or like, you know, uh, cancer or something, whatever they represent, they may get booked. And this is like from indie acts to celebrities. Um, me and DJ Mellow Blends, we were the only local acts to get booked for that festival annually every year before the pandemic. And um, that was a decent little, you know, source of income too, just doing like the little local festivals and stuff around here. And um, yeah, just prim primarily just merch. Do you mind me asking like and, how much was, uh, like one mm -hmm. of those festivals kind of brings in for, uh, I mean, does it vary depending on the artist or like? It varies depending on which venue you get booked for venue, okay. and like your slot in the show. Okay. So like, for example. Uh, What's like the base to the max? Uh, max, I would say that I got paid off of like just one festival. I would say it's probably two to 300. Okay. And base, probably probably like 50 bucks, you know, like depending on your slot. Like if you just open it and you're like one of the first two acts or something, you may get like slang 50 bucks. And that's not including like, you know, the merch sales you may get from like bringing your shirts and selling it at the festival, et cetera. Have so. you ever thought about doing like a, like a, you know, I know podcasts mm -hmm. and stuff do like a lot of like Patreon pages and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, paying for access behind the scenes, mm -hmm. you know, is that, I don't know, is that similar to OnlyFans or... No. Almost exactly the same as OnlyFans, okay. except the only difference is uh, Patreon works off a tier basis, and OnlyFans is just a strictly paid on lock type thing. Gotcha. But uh, I is thought it, is about it monthly. It. Is it monthly subscription? You, I think it's. I know. Is it one time? I know both is monthly. Um, it's, it's most definitely not one time fee. I know it's monthly, and I think you make a set of weekly payment. Or on, maybe on it's only monthly. Fans or like I know Patreon is mm. monthly. Like you oh yeah, like, OnlyFans. Like yeah, that's monthly. Okay, okay. Yeah, you so you, you, you got free access and then you got monthly whatever they choose to set it for, and then the content is just whenever you want to unlock it, just pay that fee on the content post. Okay. Mm. And has that been effective at all, making revenue that way, or not for me? No, <laughs> not for me. I mean, I I know that like we had Suzanne Gilbert of the Hatchetberry on the show. Yeah. Right and. Uh, that was episode 139 for anybody who wants to go back and listen to it. And at the beginning of this episode, we cut in a clip of a song that you had wrote for yeah. her. Right. And mm. like, and it's awesome. Like she, she shared it all. Like, this is great. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. You know, is there, is there, you know, good revenue opportunities for, for yourself doing, you know, doing that kind of, that oh, kind of work? Definitely. Like with, is that just, is that kind of just hit or miss? Like any kind of, you know, business that I wanted to hit you up for, for a song? Like, um, it's most definitely good revenue because the thing is behind like uh, song services is the song ain't my song. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if they want a dang song about a toaster, that <laughs> don't matter to me. Are they paying me? You know what I mean? Like so. Uh, and she wasn't the first uh, business that I made a song for. She was like the third or fourth so far, like this year. Uh, so what would it cost for me to get a low GNV podcast song? Oh, uh, <laughs> like, well, like maybe I have, like, <laughs> yeah. let it be an intro song for a while or an outro song for a while, you know? Yeah. Uh, anywhere from like eighty to two hundred bucks, depending on what is needed and like how in depth the client wanted the song to be. That's really not that bad at all. Yeah, I mean, how much? I mean, how much time are you putting into something like that? Uh, 
Might be time to increase your prices. Not for my yeah. song, but for other people's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, it doesn't take me long to make a song. Um, the other clients, I made their song like in 48 hours or less because it wasn't that hard and they were like pretty quick communicating with me. Uh, the Hatchetberry song was the longest song that I've ever like put together. Cause like we had started making that song, I want to say back in November or December, I actually had about 80% of the song done then. And um, it was just like bouncing ideas back and forth and back and forth. And then I think around like either maybe February, mid-February, we finally finalized the song. And um, yeah, that kind of okay. killed me a little bit because I hate dragging out like the song making process. Like the faster I could get it done and like just wrap it up, the better. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's, let's get it done. It's like, yeah. it's like an ongoing scooter repair. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is the scooter why is the scooter still here? Like, let's get this thing fixed and on the road. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how I would relate to that story for anybody who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I mean like what's uh I mean, you know, what's next? I mean, I guess coming out of the pandemic, I mean it feel it feels like things are getting better around here. Yeah. Right. It seems like I know that UF is saying like, you know, students are gonna be back in session, you know, in the fall um, mm-hmm. at class, which is great news for us as a scooter dealership. Like, I mean, do you see yourself being, you know, festivals gonna be back in full swing type of thing? Like, yeah, have you have you had any of those discussions yet? Um, I haven't had any discussions with the local businesses yet, but like I'm just talking like from live live events, being on stage in front of people, like do you oh, see yeah. that kind of stuff happening in in the fall or? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's already happening. Okay. Like uh, it's not getting advertised on a mass scale, but people are still doing live performances in Central Florida. Is all I can say. <laughs> they haven't completely stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, what is there anything in the Gainesville community that has influenced you at all? Uh, I would say what isn't here kind of influences me. Okay. Because a lot of the stuff that I've done, like me and uh, my little circle of tight-knit musician friends, uh, mainly the lack of a scene here for, like, urban music is kind of what pushed us to get into, like, the avenues we did. You know, like, for example, the Changeville Festival and uh, Gator Stomping. For the people that's familiar with Gator Stomping, I want to say me and Mellow Blends were the first indie acts to headline Gator Stomping ever. And then we kind of opened that up for the other indie acts out here to get booked for it. Because uh, me, I'm I'm more of, like, a business-minded person, and if I could talk my way into something, I will. If I could get the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody, and um, it just kind of annoyed me, no shots to the other genres out here, but it just kind of annoyed me like how all the bigger scale events out here, it was all rock and roll. And I'm just like, dang, I don't see one hip hop artist on any of these type of events. And we got like, and, and even including all the genres together, we got so much talent out here with like bands is reaching people online and in person. And it never made sense to me why the city pays all this money just for the celebrities alone and they could get some of these indie acts too and save money and build some local celebrities and still save money. And so, yeah, that's when I started reaching out to all those people and was just like, yo, like, here's my resume. Book me, not book me. Super interesting stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, <clears throat> what do you, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what do you do to like, what do you do when you're not doing this? <laughs> like, what do you do for fun? Oh man, I'm born. Um, <laughs> I'm a big anime fan and a horror movie fan. So like, uh, when I'm not like researching music or doing the music stuff, 
I'm just like dived in on anime and stuff. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's super interesting. <laughs> like, when did you start getting into that stuff? Uh, honestly, since a kid. Yeah. Like the horror movies, the horror stuff has always been around because, like, funny story. I always tell people. I always wondered when I was growing up why my family was the only one that I knew in the neighborhood that had cake and candy on Halloween and it didn't dawn on me until like my teenage years Halloween was my mother's birthday and so like I always been like connected you know spooky stuff because my mom's birthday (laughs) and then uh anime I just kind of got attracted to anime as a kid because uh I was around like some crazy stuff as a kid and so my outlet was watching somebody else's life and like just living their fantasy through them and then getting inspired by like their story of becoming a hero in their life and so that's kind of like what attracted me to anime because like almost every anime you watch people like start off from a low level and then you just see them go like to hero and they're just like taking control of their life and so yeah okay very cool uh so what's your what would you say is your favorite horror movie Ooh, favorite horror movie um God, old horror movie. I would probably have to say Pet Cemetery and It. Okay. And um, out of the new horror movies, Insidious and Paranormal Activity. Okay. Yeah. All right. I uh, don't watch a lot of horror movies because I get scared pretty easily. <laughs> uh, so, man, this has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing yeah. your story. Uh, lots of great information like it's just it's just fascinating it's fa- it's a fascinating industry fascinating business uh one that's ever changing you know and it's and it's so funny because i can see uh, you know how it relates to a lot of the the especially on the business and marketing side it's yeah. like dude like i'm like how do i how do i sell more scooters how do i get more people to come buy a scooter you know it's it's mm. very much the same thing how do i get people to like listen to my song and like want to want to listen to my music it's it's super fascinating to me yeah. um wh- who's like that one person uh, who's like that one person that you just really want to meet or to collaborate with? Mm, that person used to be Michael Jackson, then he died. <laughs> that would have been epic. Uh, I would say probably T Pain, Drake, and currently Lil Nas X. I like his vibe. All right. Yeah. Well, this will. Uh they're big fans of our show, so I'm sure that they'll like, reach out to you. you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, so where can where can our audience connect with you? Where they where can they watch, uh, listen to your stuff, like find you? Like where if there was an outlet, like yeah, definitely go here. I, I mean, I know you're out there everywhere, mm. but like, what are the the main hits? I guess I would recommend going to my website azazus.com, a z a z u s dot com, and you can find everything there at one spot. You don't got to go out of your way to search everything; it's there, organized for you. So. That's yeah. it, man. That makes it super easy. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise the list would be super long. I yeah. guess you could always do like the link tree. Do you have a link tree? Uh, I figured out how to do that within my site, actually. Okay. Yeah. Your your website is the link tree. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, thanks again for coming on. It was a blast. Yeah. And uh, thanks to James Lightner, Sarah Lance, and today's special video fill-in, Jason Price, and 
Moss Chastine uh, from Short Media Group. You guys, thanks so much for your help. Really appreciate you guys. Shout out to the Short Media Group family over there. Uh, and podcast fam, if you're driving and didn't have a chance to write down the information of our sponsors, just remember you can find all of the sponsors at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. We want to make it easy uh, to get connected to the people that make this show possible. Please support them. Uh, we couldn't do it without them. And uh, all their information's there. It's also in the show notes. So if you're listening to this uh, episode, go down to the show notes. You will find the link uh, to get connected to sponsors. And special love this episode to our friends at The Best Restoration. You guys, you need to have friends on your side when disasters happen, when that toilet overflows or when that pipe bursts in the wall, or if you're like us and you move into a business full of mold. Like This place was a nightmare when we moved into it, man. <laughs> I believe Mold you. everywhere. Uh, if that happens to you, the best restoration is there. We can speak firsthand to the quality of the work that these guys put out. They have helped us at New Scooters Plus multiple times with their certified techs and state-of-the-art equipment. These guys are the masters of disaster. Give them a call at 352-505-3321. Again, that's 352 352- 505-3321 or visit them at thebestrestoration.com and when you do be sure to say hey I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast the podcast for you businesses and individuals that make you go whoa whoa we will see you later bye <laughs>